Judges 3, we're going to be in Judges 3, verses 7 to 11. We'll be bouncing around a little bit, so make yourselves comfortable in your Bibles. We'll be, we'll be moving around. Um, Judges 7, uh, 3, verses 7 to 11, I'll go ahead and start by reading for us. And the, Lord, uh, and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asheroth. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. Uh, and the people of Israel served Cushan Rishathaim eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of, judges, or of, of Israel, who saved them Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord gave Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed over Cushan Rishathaim. So the land had rest forty years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful uh, for the opportunity to look at your word, so grateful to be challenged and encouraged by it this morning. Um, so thankful for these stories of um, men and women who were faithful to you and were willing to be used by you, Lord. Um, and Lord, we pray that you would be speaking to us this morning. Convict us, challenge us, encourage us from your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, so as we start out uh, this morning, I want to start by talking about um, the heritage of Caleb. Today we're talking about a man named Othniel, but Othniel's story actually starts with his uncle. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory, a little bit of history about what's going on uh, with Caleb and Othniel. I'm going to try and get out of your way here. I've, got, I've actually got some pretty serious slides today, so pay attention. There's going to be some, you know, some genealogy shown, so some, some graphics. So it's really, really going up here. But the thing I want you to hear for sure is this passage, Numbers 14, 24. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring, into the land, bring him into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. Numbers 14, 24. So some backstory on who Caleb is. If you can go to the next slide here, this is who Caleb is. Uh, everyone know who Abraham is, yeah? yeah. Okay, cool. Abraham a son named Isaac. Isaac had two sons, uh, Jacob and Esau, right? Okay, who came from Jacob? Anybody? Who came from Jacob? What? No. Jacob, yeah? The 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, next, next slide here. The 12 tribes of Israel. Oh, go back, go back. No. Too far. Don't want to give the answers away. Slow down, Jason, slow down. All right, yeah, the 12 tribes of Israel. Yeah, yeah. Give me, give me one more. Yeah, there, there we go. Okay, the 12 tribes of Israel. And among the 12 tribes, we've got kind of a weird thing going on where Levi doesn't get any land, and so we've got to get an extra, like, brother in there somehow. Uh, and so from the line of Joseph, they actually break out and have two tribes, okay? And those are Ephraim and Manasseh. So that 12 tribes inherit the land, one of the original Sons didn't get land because he's a priest. Anyway, all right, big old thing. Uh, and from Ephraim came Joshua. So why do I bring this up? Let's look at the other side of, of the line here. So Isaac had another son named Esau. 
Esau had a son named Eliphaz. Eliphaz had a son named Kenaz, from which the Kenizzites come. As you all know, the Kenizzites. Um, Kenaz had a son named Jephunneh. And Jephunneh had two sons, one named Caleb and one named Kenaz. So the backstory here is that Caleb and Joshua kind of intersected paths at one point, right? Anybody know when that was? Caleb and Joshua, the spies. That's right. Caleb and Joshua were two of the 12 spies that went into the land. And um, this is what happened. Back in Numbers chapter 13, verses 25, they went into the land. So the people of Israel came out of Egypt, right? And they're wandering through the wilderness as the Lord is directing them and come to the edge of the land during their, wander, or during their, their quest to the promised land. They get to the edge of the land, and Moses sends 12 spies into the land to go see what it's about, see what's in there. Spy out, you know, let's form a strategy. And when they come back, this is what happens. Numbers 13, 25 to 33. It says this. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came into the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. They brought fruit. Uh, However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and their cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. So this is part of the report. Verse 30. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. So here... All these giants and powerful men are in the land, and they're bringing this report that, man, that's, that's a great place to be, but these, these obstacles are here. Like, I don't know if we can do it is the tone, right? And Caleb says, no, 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 stop talking about how big these people are. We can overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. Sorry for how small that is. Just look at your Bible, I guess. Sorry, that was my bad. Um, so they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are great, of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, so we seemed to them. So this bad report comes from the spies. Uh, and as a result, the rest of the whole congregation of people rebel against Moses and say, Moses, why did you bring us out here to die before these great people? And as they're cursing out Moses, basically, for his poor leadership and bringing them to a country that they don't think they can defeat, which they can because the Lord's on their side, anyway, um, Moses cries out to the Lord and intercedes for the people. And then in Numbers 14, Verses 20 to 24, the Lord responds to Moses' cry and prayer before the people. And he says this, Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, because he was about to totally wipe them out. But truly, as I live, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory 
and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and yet have put me to the test these ten times and not obeyed my voice, shall see the land I swore to give to their fathers. None of those who despise me shall see it, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. <clears throat> in spite of the report, in spite of the circumstances that were before the people of Israel, Caleb knew that he served a God that was God over all. So it didn't matter how tall the people were, or how strong they were, or how many chariots they had, or what the circumstances were. If God called them to step into it, then God was going to bring the victory the way only God can. And so Caleb believed in the Lord completely and fully. And he had a different spirit about him in that sense. It's interesting because, you know, earlier uh, I brought up that we got Caleb, who is a descendant of Esau. I'm going to switch over to that next slide. So we got this whole thing going. Caleb is not a Jew. <laughs> He's not a descendant of the 12 tribes of Israel. He is not a descendant of Jacob. So two out of the 12, or two out of the, one out of the two faithful spies, right, did not even come from the line of Jacob. He was a Gentile. He saw from afar that the Lord was good and chose to place his faith in the Lord God of Israel. And what happens, we understand, uh, with those who are not Jewish, not by heritage, that is, um, but place their faith in, that's their proselytized or become converts to Judaism, what happens is uh, they become grafted in to Israel, right? But they're grafted in according to the tribe of Judah. And so when you've got the 12 spies that go into the land, we've got a couple pieces of evidence we're going to look at here with that. The first one is this, the 12 spies that went into the land, the representative of the tribe of Judah is Caleb, Okay? Caleb represents the line of Judah in spying out the land. And interesting here in our passage in Judges, we'll look at chapter 1 and chapter 3, this story about Othniel taking uh, the city uh, in, in, in prize from, from Caleb's kind of uh, uh, wager to him or, or offer to him is placed in a section of Judges that's talking about the conquest by the tribe of Judah. Caleb and Othniel are individuals that have been grafted in to the tribe of Judah. They've been added to this tribe. So they're counted as the people of Israel. And actually, if you look at the people that are being faithful to the Lord in this, he is the one being faithful among these judges at this time. Um, so these proselytes are grafted in to the tribe of Judah uh, at this point. When they're coming into the land with Joshua at 85 years old, Caleb is still confident that the Lord is strong and can bring, uh, bring forth battle. He says this in uh, Joshua 14, 6-12. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, it's like, notice that they're calling it out. He's a proselyte to Judaism. He came by faith in the Lord, not by just heritage. And said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, in Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. What was in his heart? The Lord can do it. 
That's what was in his heart. Doesn't matter how big they are. They can do it. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord. The other ten came with a report that said, those guys are too big. We're too small and they're too big. We can't do it. But I fully followed the Lord. And so Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot is trodden shall be an inheritance to you and your children forever, because you wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these 45 years since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then, for war, for going, and coming. So now, give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. This is the spirit that is at work in the servant Caleb. At 85 years old, he could say, yeah, I know we had a 40-year pause between my age 40 and 40, you know, now 85. But you know what? God promised me this city, and so I'm going to take it. The Lord's still going to fulfill my promise. I feel stronger today as I did 40 years ago, and I'm going to take this land. This is the spirit and heritage of Caleb. You think that spirit and, and faith and belief that Caleb had didn't rub off anybody? It did. People are watching this man. They're watching the Lord's favor on this man. They're watching his faith and his, and his trust in the Lord. He is wholly committed to the Lord, and the Lord has been his provider. And so we come to Judges, chapter 1, not yet back to chapter 3 yet, chapter 1, verses 11 to 13. I told you a couple weeks ago we're going to skip past this for a minute and come back to it. This is why. Judges 1, 11 to 13. From there, again, this is in the description of Judah's conquest. From there, they went up against the inhabitants of Debir. The name of Debir was formerly Kiriath Sefer. And Caleb said, He who attacks Kiriath Sefer and captures it, I will give him Achish, my daughter, for a wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, captured it. And he gave Achish, his daughter, for a wife. Yeah. Let's see, I got the. Got a little heart. Got a heart. Isn't that sweet? So Caleb says, hey, listen, if anybody takes this city, it's a, it's a powerful city. And, you know, the Lord is giving me this, but, you know, like if someone takes this city, I'll, I'll give my daughter as a wife to him. Um, you know, the passage doesn't say anything about Othniel's love for Achish or, or, you know, what, you know, if they knew of each other or any of this kind of thing. Um, but I, you know, I like to think, right, that Othniel thought highly enough of Achish that he took Caleb up on his deal, right? He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll fight that city for that woman. She's a special woman. I, I, will, I will fight for this city. I will do it. I will go for it. I mean, ladies, just look at it from the other angle. How would you feel about a man who would fight an entire city to win your hand in marriage? Okay? All right. I think there's a little bit of love between these two. I think they care for each other. I think there's some recognition of their character and understanding of who they are. Okay. Um, and so what we do know about Aksa, that is, sorry, I'm saying Akish, Aksa, uh, from the passage is that she's wise, she's resourceful, 
She's respectful. It seems like she's been growing up watching a father who wholly trusted in the Lord and loved his daughter well. So it seems like to me. Verses 14 to 15. Uh, this is after they came together. Okay, Othniel fought this battle, won her as a wife. And he comes, uh, they come to Caleb. When she came to him, that is to Caleb, or to, to Othniel, she urged him, or urged Othniel, to ask her father for a field. Our understanding is that that happened. Caleb gave them a field. And then, something else happened. And then she dismounted from her donkey. So she got off her donkey and went to her dad. Went straight to him and said, and Caleb said to her, what is it that you want? And she said to him, give me a blessing. Since you have set me in the land of the Negeb, and it should be read like the Negeb land, okay, not necessarily the, the place of Negeb, but the desert land. Okay? You've given me a desert land. Okay? There's not a lot of you know, irrigation here. It's like dry. So since you've given me this land that is dry, we've given me a field, which is great, but also I'm going to need some water to like survive. <laughs> okay? like, I literally need to live here, so please give me some water. Um, she says, give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. She was wise to see that they needed a field if they're going to grow anything. Okay. She was resourceful to know that like, if this is going to happen, Caleb, Othniel, you might not have thought too many steps ahead on this deal we arranged here, but we're going to need, you know, a place to grow food and we're actually going to need water for that, you know? Turns out, you know, I don't know if anybody, anybody got a wife that, like, looks out for them, you know? Knows the plan before I know the plan kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's a good woman. And I got one of those. So, um, this, is, this is who this is, okay? Axel looks at this situation and goes, I need a field. I need some water. And she respectfully goes to her father and asks, a loving father who loves her daughter, his daughter, for some springs of water, and he gives it. Okay, so we have this beautiful arrangement in chapter 1 of Othniel marrying Aksa and taking this land. And now we come to our passage today, verses 7 to 11. And lo and behold, like spoiler alert, the first judge of the book of Judges is Othniel. Okay. Othniel becomes the first deliverer or savior of the people of Israel. It says this in verses 7 to 8. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and Asheroth. Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served Cushan Rishathaim eight years. Unfortunately, uh, we're going to see this refrain over and over and over again throughout the book of Judges. Uh, as I've said before, uh, this, this phrase, and the people did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They keep forgetting what the Lord has done. They keep losing track of the faithfulness and goodness of the Lord. And, you know, before we cast too much judgment on them, we all got to look at our hearts and go, I do the same. Over and over again, I forget how good the Lord has been to me and how faithful his provision has been. 
So the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asheroth. Um, and it just continues to get worse. The Lord's response to them was anger. And he sold them. He gave them to the, uh, to the hand of Cushan Rishatham. And think about this. He gave them to service of another leader. Here they've escaped Egypt, where they were enslaved, were freed to come into a land the Lord provided for them. And if they had trusted the Lord the way the, that Caleb and Joshua trusted the Lord, they would have taken the whole thing. But now they're in the land, and even in the midst of the land the Lord had given them, they are enslaved. Okay? It wasn't about the land. Okay? It's always been about their heart with the Lord. The land is a picture. The land is, a, is a, an object lesson for the people of God to see his hand so he can physically demonstrate his provision and his care and his power to the people. It wasn't ever about the land. It's about the heart of this people. And so the Lord was willing, even when they got into the land, to go, all right, you're going to serve Baal and Asheroth? Then here comes Cushion. You're going to be enslaved to another king inside of your own territory. And this is the refrain throughout Judges. The land is full of the people of God not trusting their Lord, but trusting themselves. And so, this happens. The Lord becomes angry with them and sells them into slavery to Cushan for eight years. And after eight years... Um, it says in verse 9, when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel and saved them, Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. Um, I'll point it out now and, and, and later, just to emphasize the point, but when it says they cried out to the Lord, I've always read it in my heart, and like, like thinking about this is, oh man, they came back to God. They came back to him. Like they realized the, the, the error of their ways and came back to the Lord and like changed their ways. And it didn't. <laughs> they cried out to the Lord, yes. In their circumstance and in their slavery to Kushan, they cried out to the Lord, Lord, help us, we're hurting here. I just want to point out, we'll talk about it more later, but this is not Repentance. This is crying, you know, rightly. But the Lord, in spite of the fact that they aren't repenting, raised up a deliverer to save them. <clears throat> the word for judge in uh, Judges is deliverer, actually. It really should be called the book of deliverers. <laughs> it's like the more accurate term for us. Uh, the word comes from the word Mosia. Sound like anybody? Yeah. Who? Moses. Yeah. Exodus 2.10. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. I delivered him from the judgment of water. These are the type of people that the Lord is raising up throughout this time. 
He's seeing them again, like again enslaved. They, they're free. They're in their land. They're supposed to be free, but they're not free. They're enslaved again. And now the Lord is raising up more Mosai, Moseses, <laughs> deliverers to save them again from their slavery. A slavery that's not about their land, but that is now about their hearts. He sends deliverers to save them again from oppression while they're in the land, an oppression that they sold themselves into by forgetting what the Lord had done and serving the Baals and Asheroth. They'd become slaves in their own land because of their idolatry. And when they cried out, the Lord had mercy and raised up a deliverer. So what do we see about Othniel in these last couple of verses? Verses 10 to 11 says this of him. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord gave Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and, he handed, and his hand prevailed over Cushan Rishathaim. So the land had rest for 40 years. Then Othniel, son of Canaz, died. We see a few characteristics of Othniel, the judge, in this passage, the deliverer. Uh, first, the Spirit of the Lord is on him. Okay, there's going to be like, I think we're going through like seven or eight judges uh, during this time. There's only four of the judges that have this phrase written about them. Uh, Othniel, Gideon, Jephthah, and Samson. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him. The Lord came upon him and used him mightily um, to save the people from this oppression. Second, we see that he's a deliverer of Israel. He delivers Israel. The Lord rushes on him, and then he delivers Israel from whoever, from who they were in bondage to, Cushan. Uh, next, he goes to war. He is actually one of the people that goes to battle, fights on behalf. And then finally, after his uh, deliverance of the people in, in, uh, at the very first, the land receives 40 years of rest. And just note that the land receives the rest. <laughs> like there's not war in this area, okay, for 40 years. Uh, 40 is important. It's a symbol of a generation, okay? So the next judge we look at, Ehud, is gonna, the land is going to rest for 80 years. That's two generations, okay? Uh, there's only three, four, no, four people that have a rest 40 years or greater. That's uh, Deborah, Gideon. Ahud, and Othniel. Um, and so 40 years is a generation's rest for the, for the land. <laughs> the reason the people don't have rest is because they're still not trusting the Lord. Okay, the, the Lord comes and saves them with a deliverer. And the land receives rest, but here the people don't receive rest. The land does. Okay. So what do, we, what do we walk away from here with Othniel? I've got a few things I want to share with you um, to challenge and encourage us from, from this story. And sorry for all the genealogical background and all this, but I think it was important. Um, so my first question for us is, do we have the right spirit? Do we have the right spirit in us? Caleb had a different spirit. When you, when you looked around, the people that were around Caleb, okay, this is God's chosen people. And among God's chosen people, 
Caleb, the son of Canaz, had a different spirit. His spirit was such that he completely trusted in the Lord. He knew there was no other hope for him except the Lord as his hope. He had a different spirit. Compared to the rest of his generation, Othniel, just like Caleb, had a different spirit. We read at the very beginning of Judges that Joshua came into the land. Okay? And when they're in the land, after he died and after his generation died, the people didn't know the Lord or serve him. Okay? Joshua is the same generation as Caleb. So, like, the fullness of the generation after him, excluding Othniel. Othniel is the exception among the entire generation post-Joshua and Caleb that continued to be serving the Lord, that had a different spirit about him, that he learned from his father, or from his uncle. He had a spirit that looked at his dire circumstances around him and let the Lord lead him and his people to salvation. He said, yeah, I mean, uh, the Lord is with us, right? So I can take that city. And, and I love Aksa. She's a wonderful woman. I've, I've heard about her. She's my cousin, actually, and that's not weird then. Um, and, and so I'll totally go fight this city for her. And he does. And when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him, he, he goes out to war for the people and, and becomes a deliverer for them. Was it because of his strength? Was it because of his heritage? Was it because of his birthright? What? No. It was because he wholly trusted in the Lord. And the cool thing for us is that by our faith and salvation through Christ alone, we have been given the fullness of his spirit. Jesus prayed, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And furthermore, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said. You have a different spirit in you. Okay, it's, it's sometimes hard. Like we get real muddied up by the world around us. And we get influenced by the things around us and the desires around us and all these things. And we forget that God's put in us a different spirit. That Holy Spirit is here to guide and direct our entire lives. Not just like big moments, but little moments. Like all the moments. Caleb and Othniel wholly followed the Lord. In all their decisions, they gave it to him. Jesus said to the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You have a different spirit. This world is operating according to a spirit that is different than yours. And we have to remind ourselves not to be guided by the spirit of the world, but rather be guided by the Holy Spirit that has taken up residence inside of you to make all your decisions where you're going to work, where you're going to live, where you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep, all these things, let the Spirit that God has put in you by the blood of Christ Jesus guide your life. There isn't a circumstance that's going to come into your life that you cannot face with boldness and strength because of the Spirit God has put in you. 
You can face big cities. You can face big people. You can face these things because Holy Spirit is in you. Not because you're mighty, not because you're wise, but because God is in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. So allow him to reside. Allow him to take full control of what you're doing in your life. Do we have the right spirit in us? Let us not be a generation that forgets what God has done. Second challenge for us is this, and this goes into reflection about the people of Israel. In our prayers, are we repenting or are we whining? Right? Oh, sorry. The people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and man, the Lord had mercy on them and raised up a deliverer. Praise God for that. But they weren't repenting. As soon as Othniel died, they went back. And this is the pattern throughout Judges. The judge comes, saves them, you know, delivers them from the oppressor. It doesn't bring them, like, salvation, because that comes from the Lord, but stops the oppression, physical. And for that duration of that person's life, they're like, okay, yeah, we'll chill out a little bit with this. And then when they die, they turn around and start serving Baal and Asheroth again. They weren't repenting. They were crying. It hurts. The circumstances are so hard. I can't do it. It's painful. You know, and, we, and I'm saying that because we've all been there. We're, we're on our knees before the Lord even, right? We're God, God, can you fix this? Can't you do this? I want you to move this here and move that there. I want you to do these things. I want you to fix this thing that's hurting me. He's like, I'm waiting for you to fully trust me. To, to start repenting of where you're at in this and start trusting me that, that, hey, I've kind of been here a minute and I've got this thing. There's a crying out to the Lord that isn't repentance. And we must be careful that we're not just giving the Lord a laundry list of our complaints about life, but are rather going to the Lord just as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's the first request? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those around us. It's repentance. The first thing about us in that prayer is repent. The people of Israel in the book of Judges cry out, but repentance is seen in turning from our former ways unto the ways of the Lord. And sadly, Judges records no evidence of repentant hearts among the people of Israel. For 200 years, the book of Judges records this summary statement. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That is, they decided what was right and wrong. Based on this situation, I'm going to do what feels best to me. Instead of repenting before the Lord. Judges also shows the mercy of God. That in spite of our unrepentant hearts. 
We know this from what Paul said in Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even while you were an enemy of God, even while you were a sinner, 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross and said, I'm dying for those who place their faith in me. They haven't even repented yet. They haven't been born yet. Okay? And I'm going to the cross for them now. And in their lives, leading up to the moment that they have an opportunity to trust in me, I still have laid my life down for them. And when they receive me as their Lord and Savior and whatever, get distracted and forget the things I've done for them, guess what? I still love them and have died on their behalf. Judges shows us that the God is merciful toward his children, died for us while we were still sinners. So do we have the right spirit in us? Are we repenting or, or are we whining? And finally, um, are we ready? Are, are we ready to be used in the kingdom of God? Just like Othniel and Aksa were. Are, are we aware, to, are our eyes open to the fact that God is the one that has provided all of our needs? So quick we are to go, man, I've built this up, I've got this organized, this is the thing that I've put together, and in my strength all these things have come together, and now I'm ready to make the next step. And it's just all about you and what you've done. Do we recognize that God is the one that is our provider? Do we have a heart that, that is so devoted to God that we see opportunities and provision as something that's come from His hand rather than our strength? And will we use what he's given us with wisdom? I think this is what's happening with Axa, right? God has provided for her mightily. And, and here's these, this situation she sees in, 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 in wisdom. She goes before her dad, who she loves and knows that will, will provide a good answer. And says, hey, uh, we just need to do this and this. And like, you know, can we can work this out? And sure enough, the love of a father comes out and provides for his daughter. It's just a beautiful picture of a proper, healthy, functioning family. It's a beautiful thing. Are we aware of what God has provided in that and willing to engage in that? And finally, do we see the battles the Lord has put before us and do we trust that the Lord is our protection and our strength to fight those battles? The name Othniel, I'll just end on this, the name Othniel means God is my protection. Othniel knew. He was covered. He's good. If the Lord calls him to do something, God's his protection. If the battle fails, guess what? He's good. Because it, it wasn't about him winning. It was about his heart and his full protection of the, the, the God of the universe. He could go with confidence into the battles that are before him because he's not worried about the result. Actually, he's worried about being fully committed to the Lord. God is his protector. Are ready, like them, to be used for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Lord, so grateful for your word and so thankful for the challenge this book is to us and uh, how convicting it is to look at a whole country of people that have been set out as your children um, and yet have forgotten who you are and what you've done. And so, God, um, 
we just we humbly ask that you would stir our hearts, that we would not become that way, um, that you would keep our hearts flesh and not stone, that we would not become um, bitter or hardened by the things we see around us, but rather you would uh, make our heart beat like yours beats for this world. And so, God, we pray that um, you would just put this spirit in us. We thank you that you have. By trust in Christ Jesus, our Lord, Holy Spirit resides inside of us, and we have a different spirit. Lord, help us not forget that that's how we're to operate in this life, um, with your spirit guiding in every way. And Lord, we, we do. We come before you, um, and we repent. Um, we repent for uh, missing the opportunities that you have brought into our path. We repent for not saying the things you would have us say, We repent for saying too much, trying to take it into our own hands. We repent for not trusting you when you call us to have faith and step out and take a risk. And we repent for stepping out without your approval and going in our own flesh. We're not weary or burdened by this. We are thankful that you have grace that covers us, that, that our salvation is in your hand not in our actions or or deeds. But God, our desire in our heart is to live our life fully for you. And so put a right spirit in us, Lord, uh, that we would know the things to say to those we love, the things to do that you've called us uh, to step into. And we trust you in in your timing of these things. And so God, we repent for when we have not um, fell in step with that. And Lord, we pray you would ready us, that you would ready us for the kingdom of God. We know that for each person in this room that, that follows the Lord Jesus, that has submitted their life to him, that you have a purpose and a plan for your kingdom. You haven't just given this blessing so that we could be comfortable and happy and healthy. You've given us a Savior that, that we can go and make disciples, that we can go and proclaim the goodness and mercy of our Lord and exalt him all our days, that that the generation after us would not be one that turns away to Baal and Asheroth, but would rather be one that says, my dad loved the Lord and gave his whole life to it. And I saw it, not just in his words, but in his life. My mom served with all she had and prayed and um, provided for us in every way. And we saw that it didn't come from her hand, it came from the Lord. May we look around this room at, at one another and, and see a family that, that cares for the next generation, cares for this generation, cares for the next generation by taking care of their own generation. And so, Lord, we repent and we ask that you would help us to believe in what you have for us, Lord. We want to be used for your kingdom, and we pray that your kingdom would come here in downtown Clearwater as it is in heaven. And so, Lord, we're here, we're willing and ready to be used for your glory. We give it to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.